Welcome to Twist for the week of August 29th. This is Sarah McGann from KPMG's Washington National Tax State and Local Tax Practice. After a couple weeks with few developments, this past week there were a plethora of interesting SALT developments. Starting with administrative guidance, the Minnesota Department of Revenue joined Washington State and Pennsylvania in issuing guidance on the taxability of NFTs. The guidance provides that NFTs are subject to sales and use tax when the underlying product is taxable in Minnesota. Under Minnesota law, sales and use tax is imposed on specified digital products, certain other digital products, and digital codes. Non-taxable digital products include access to digital news articles, charts and graphs, digital photos and drawings, and logos and designs. In legislative news, California Assembly Bill 2280, which authorizes the California Comptroller to establish an unclaimed property voluntary compliance program, was enrolled and presented to Governor Newsom for signature. The program will enable voluntary compliance by businesses holding past-due unclaimed property that has not been reported to the Comptroller or that have merged with or acquired businesses that may not be compliant with California's unclaimed property law. This development is significant as it would be the first time in nearly 20 years that California has offered a voluntary compliance program for unclaimed property. In terms of administrative and judicial decisions, we have four to cover this week. In D.C., an ALJ addressed how a financial institution member of a combined group should compute its payroll factor in the tax years after the district moved to single sales factor apportionment for general corporations. The ALJ, deferring to guidance issued by the Office of Tax and Revenue, concluded that the payroll denominator for financial institutions consisted of the payroll of only the financial institution group members. In Michigan, the tax tribunal released the latest decision in a case with a complex history where the issue was whether a corporate taxpayer had nexus with the city of Detroit. In this latest decision, the tribunal determined that Wayfair did not change the original conclusion that the taxpayer did not have Detroit nexus. And in any event, any taxation resulting from the application of a new post-Wayfair nexus standard to economic activity occurring prior to the adoption of the new standard would not pass constitutional muster. Next up, in a detailed 44-page decision, The Oregon Tax Court addressed whether an out-of-state manufacturer, marketer, and distributor of cigarettes and certain other tobacco products was protected from Oregon taxation under Public Law 86-272. The tax court concluded that the taxpayer's wholesalers were engaging in certain activities on its behalf that exceeded solicitation for orders and were not de minimis. Finally, under Texas law, only net proceeds from the sale of loans or securities are included in the sales factor. An exception to this general rule applies if a loan or security is treated as inventory of the seller for federal income tax purposes. Recently, a Texas appellate court rejected a taxpayer's position that receipts from holding certain securities should be treated as inventory when the taxpayer used the commodity hedges to manage the cost of the raw materials used to manufacture the food products it ultimately sold. In the court's view, the U.S. Supreme Court's decision in corn products did not require it to view the commodity hedges as a substitute for the raw materials. Thank you for listening to Twist this week. We'll be off next week for Labor Day. We hope all of you enjoy the long weekend.